Welcome to Getting Apps Done, a mostly non-technical podcast with the goal of helping you deliver software. Because if you didn't ship it, it didn't happen. Hey folks, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about our fourth part of our series on motivation, particularly talking about dev teams, but actually a lot of these concepts apply to pretty much any role, realistically. And what we wanted to talk about today is people doing the wrong job. And I, I suppose it could be from any point, but actually what I was specifically thinking about when I thought of this is people who are really great at their jobs, really great developers or designers or whatever it may be, and then they get that promotion that makes them a project manager or a manager of a team or a team leader or whatever it may be, and suddenly they're not performing as well as you expected. And you can't figure out why, because they were really great before. Why aren't they great now? And a lot of people miss the fact that it's actually just because they're doing the wrong job now. And that's, I mean, you, you kind of even just, just describing the situation, it's it's kind of almost obvious what the problem is, is they, they're not as skilled in that particular, this new set of skills that they have to have to be a project manager or product manager or, you know, whatever that they're moving into. They just don't quite have those yet. They don't have the confidence to do that yet. They don't have the any of the things they need to do that, and they might not want to. <laughs> I think that's the key thing, because I, you mentioned it before with the episode. I think you're absolutely right. Anybody can learn to do any job. Whether they want to or not is a very different story entirely. <laughs> and when it comes down to it, motivation is much stronger when you're happy about something than when you're just forced to do it. I, discipline only goes so far. We can only do so much based on discipline and enforced behavior but what if we really love doing something then obviously we can do lots of it and we're going to do great and we're going to experiment and we're going to learn and be happy to do so mm -hmm. yeah and discipline's almost it's kind of worthless to as a motivator it's like it's only it's only really good to as kind of like a removal of bad behaviors it's not a good thing to add new behaviors all you're kind of doing is just making people even more unhappy in their situation so it's it you they've got to be kind of self-motivating at least to a point. There's got to be a reason why they want to do the job, whether that's because they enjoy you know, expressing that particular skill or because they enjoy maybe uh, whatever it is that they're, they're trying to do and create, like uh, people who work for nonprofits are always obviously really excited about these uh, about these goals, but you know, the job itself might be awful. <laughs> I, I've met people who, in fact, I was talking to a guy at a uh, dinner once, and that's exactly what he did. And the way he described the job, I thought, that sounds like the worst job in the world. But the smile on that guy's face, because he loved what he was doing, not because the job was great or he thought anything about that was wonderful, but the results of it were what he wanted to do. That's what made him get out of bed every day. And that's what really made him motivated to do that job. It wasn't because he had this great discipline to get up every day and go <laughs> knock on doors every single day asking for money, but because he knew where that money went. In this case, it was children who uh, needed the money because they have health conditions. And for him, that reward was well worth it. Exactly. And that's, yeah, so that's kind of the, I guess, back to <laughs> back to the thing is you have the these developers who are moving into the roles is, do they want that as a role? Um, I mean, we talk about this being a promotion, um, but if they're being promoted into a position that they really aren't all that interested in, then this is probably not a reward and, you know, beyond monetary at the most. So it's. And I've seen that. I, yeah. 
managers with really good intentions thinking, oh, well, this guy's doing or this woman is doing a really great job for us. How can I reward them? And quite often that's the result they come to is actually, you know what, I'll promote them and make them a team lead or whatever it may be. And in their minds, there's this assumption that everybody wants to climb the ladder, but actually some people don't want to climb the ladder. They got into their career because they love design. They want to design things. Mm -hmm. That's what they want to do. You could reward them in other ways, maybe give them some leeway to have their own projects that they dream up, that they come Mm -hmm. up with, that they develop the spec for, and give them a little bit of latitude. And that, that could be a reward for that person because they're doing what they love still, but they're doing it in a different way. That's rewarding in its own because they've got some freedom, some autonomy. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of the important part of the being the manager, because it's, it's it's the, the the job of their supervisor, their manager, their the team lead to kind of understand what they want out of their career. Like what parts do they like? What parts don't they like? Um, and then like for your example right there as a designer, uh, given a, a given a project of their own own design their own their own entire process they have to figure out what they want to do they and kind of dream it out from beginning to end that's the kind of thing that actually makes them more confident and eventually they'll be like oh if i only had an extra person i could create even better projects and they kind of naturally move into these positions of more responsibility as opposed to being kind of shoved into them and so it's really important for the the supervisor to kind of know what it is these people want out of their jobs what the you know, what type of autonomy, what will they do with their autonomy? Agreed. And I can see that working the other way around as well. I've seen people who actually weren't the best developers or designers, but really had a passion behind it and actually turned out to be really good advocates for the people who were really great designers or developers. And putting them in a management position actually was a really great move because suddenly they started out in the job that wasn't the right job for them and you've shifted them into one that's better for them and they can really become a driving force behind the team that way. It does kind of, it's, you know, the old joke that you, you get promoted to your level of incompetence, but there is actually some truth in there. There are people who are, that is kind of their specialty is the the guiding something to paying attention. There, There's a skill there, obviously. There's a skill you have to learn to be able to manage people. And some people are really good at it and that's kind of how they end up in those gigs. So it's, it's kind of a terrible stereotype, but there is truth to it. There's a reason why like people kind of skip that, like you said, like they weren't the greatest developers, but they really understood the concepts. They understood why these people were really good at their jobs. And because of that, we're able to kind of better guide them when they were moved up. Yeah. Or they had other complementing skills. Maybe they're just really good people, people, or they are really good at understanding what a business person needs for their role or whatever it may be to help them guide the development team in what's being built. Uh, It could actually be that they become a product owner or they could be a project Mm -hmm. manager because they're really good at organizing the team. Even if they're not the best developer ever, they might be really good at organizing the work and making sure that priorities are set and that things are done in the right order. Exactly. That kind of bounces back to one of our old episodes about having a a variety of people in your team of just having different skill sets kind of can help fill a lot of those gaps. And it's it's useful to have those type of people. (laughs) Absolutely. And not only is it useful, but it's rewarding to everybody. And that's I think the key here is that when people are put into a position where they're doing something that isn't a right fit for them, they're going to struggle and it's going to be hard for them. And they're never going to be fully motivated to work really well because it's just going to seem like a lot of effort. It's going to feel like a lot of pain. There's a lot of embarrassment involved. And 
a lot of organizations aren't set up to identify that in the first place, let alone then doing something about it to improve that situation, whether it's to move them into a different position or to find a way for them to work with the team better or whatever it may be. They kind of have this set in stone. You get A, you work A up to B, you work B up to C, and <laughs> that's just the way it's got to go every single time. And that's not always the best way. Sometimes you got to pull in a D and move them up to Q or whatever it may be. <laughs> Stretching the uh, book, the uh, alphabet uh, yeah, analogy there. I, I was a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but like I would say the, I mean, it, it, what you just described almost puts a lot of the pressure on these folks to move up, that that's the expectation that they move into these new roles, that they teach themselves how to do that. And I don't really agree with that either. Like that's part of moving one of these persons into the new role is to kind of have this expectation that they're going to mess up. They're learning new skills and that's fine. They shouldn't be that the embarrassment side of this thing really shouldn't exist. Like you're going to mess it up. It's okay. <laughs> you're that's, that's why you're supposed to have mentors. You're supposed to have another person above you kind of like kind of helps catch the slack and checks you to make sure you're not doing something silly while also encouraging you to try new things and to learn on your grow on yourself. So like that, that's kind of the other half of this is it might be the right role. They're just terrified of it. Uh, which we did talk about some in the last episode, but this is a slightly different sort of terrified actually, because it's not somebody who's existing in the team necessarily. It's somebody new is mm -hmm. and allowing them to grow into the role that you've put them in is really important because again, they're not going to be motivated if they constantly feel, if they feel like they're doing the wrong job, even if they're doing the right one, if you're making them feel like they're doing the wrong thing or they're not doing it right or whatever it may be, again, it can have the same effect. They're not going to feel like they're in the right place. Exactly. And that's damaging to them and it's damaging to the team. And those are, I mean, that's something I've seen definitely in the workplace is as someone who's just kind of constantly afraid that they were messing up, even though they were doing fine and people would try to encourage them and say, no, 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 you're doing great. But like they weren't really encouraging like there was still way too many repercussions if they messed up there was all this just kind of like negative negative energy um like and it, it caused a, it caused problems over time and eventually these people either quit or got laid off because they couldn't you know they just kind of like a, a slowly growing terror of messing up until finally they actually did mess up and the pressure and they have to leave so it's or yeah. in some cases, they just carry on as is, and they're miserable. They're not producing the oh, sort yeah. of work that the team needs, and it becomes a drag on everybody, which just isn't fair to anybody. That means the rest of the team is working harder to make up for them. This person feels like they're causing all this harm to the team. It causes rifts in the team, and it's not working out for anybody. And it's really down to good management and it doesn't necessarily need to be a manager it could be somebody on the team who's mm -hmm. identifying this and saying hey you know what i think this person isn't really doing the best job with this but you know every time we bring somebody new in they're the first person to chime in and say yeah i'll take them on and show them how to do these things maybe we should specifically put them in a role where they are <laughs> developing our onboarding process because that's a really valuable part of any team. It's not necessarily that you need to move into management or into a completely different position. It's finding a way that works for them and a way that benefits the team as a whole. I am a big proponent of having roles for people. So, you know, find out what they're good at and creating a role that matches them to the best that your company can allow. Because, I mean, obviously there's, there's kind of limits on how flexible you can have. If, you know, this one person's horrible about testing, but you don't have anybody else to do testing, well, then the horrible person's probably going to have to be doing it. But 
it is important to like like what you just described someone who's really good at training well then yeah absolutely kind of like make that part of their role or at least the the part of their uh, the responsibility. They're the ones who are in charge of training it, making sure that these people get trained because they're good at that. And so they might not actually end up doing the training themselves, but they'll, they might give advice to the person who does end up training, which kind of increases uh, their own confidence, their own, their own skill set. So it's, and yeah. it, it can help them with the rest of the role. If, in the case where we were talking about somebody who actually doesn't do a bad job, but they constantly think they're doing a bad job. By mm-hmm. giving them something that they own and they feel really confident in, you're actually encouraging them in the other side of the role as well. They start to see that, actually, I provide value to the team. Even if I'm not the best at refactoring, I can do some refactoring and I do this one thing really, really well. This is my thing that nobody else does. And that mm-hmm. provides a lot of value as well. Just building people up by giving them a role that's theirs, something that they can be proud of, uh, makes a huge difference to the team. The biggest, the biggest difference I see between like people who are identified like rock stars or the you know the highly motivated people, it's always it's always a confidence versus fear kind of uh, equation. Like the these are the people who are confident in their roles that they can get the thing done, and that's I mean confidence is just kind of the other side of being really good at something. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, it's either because they've got that confidence built in for whatever reason, or because your team is set up in such a way that the moment they came in, they felt that they were part of the team mm-hmm. and they were contributing because they just happened to know something or whatever it may be. It built that confidence early on. Not everybody's that way. Some people, you got to help them build that confidence because they can't do it themselves or yep. they weren't lucky and just happened to know the one thing that you really needed when you hired them <laughs> that made them off the bat immediately feel like they were contributing Exactly. And I mean, it's such an easy thing to do, though, to to help build that confidence when it's basically just remove fear of failure to remove, you know, to remove the consequences of failure, which may require a good bit of effort on your part to make sure that they're not taking riskier things, you know, trying to do things that are too risky that are going to end up resulting in, you know, massive fires or buildings burning down. But, you know, that's that's part of what you can do as a manager is to kind of set them up for success. And if they do fail, just set them up to retry. Yeah, I think that's the real thing there is it's having empathy for your team as a manager and understanding them and not just managing them, but actually being a part of the team. I've seen that a lot as well. Managers just don't understand the team because they feel like they should be above them. That's just completely wrong. You're part of the team, too, and you should know who your developers are, your designers are, your copywriters are, whoever it may be. You should all be working as one cohesive unit. And if you're not, you're not doing your job. They might actually be doing their job just fine. And you are the one failing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's something kind of really vaguely defined for managers. There's not or like, uh, it's really not like a good one, one description of what a manager is supposed to do or be like. But so it's, it's a bit of empathy. You have to kind of learn it on your own. You have to learn how to fit your team to figure out what the the gaps are in your team and to learn how to motivate and to, you know, not scare them to death every day. Well, I think you're the glue as a manager. You're the one who's supposed to be keeping the team together and finding a way for them to work well together and be efficient and be a team when it comes down to it. Hmm. And that depends on every team is different. Some will need more leeway than others some will need more guidance than others but <laughs> it's figuring out what your team is and how you can become that piece that makes it all fit and work yeah i like i really do like the the, the coach analogy for a manager because i think that's actually pretty pretty close like if you can imagine being coaching a team of anybody anything that you're like a little bit better at maybe it's just a to 
team of ch- uh, children playing soccer because you wouldn't be able to <laughs> be able to coach anybody older than you uh, playing soccer. But you know that that mindset's kind of the appropriate one of what can I do to help them do this on their own because I can't do it for them. But how can I make it easier for them? How, what advice can I give to to make it better in the future? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of motivation in the past few episodes. Um, Hopefully, some of these ideas help you and give you some ideas for how to better manage and motivate your team because it's not always things that you think about straight away. And sometimes it's hard to recognize what your position is to help your team. Whether you're a manager, a team member, or somebody who's struggling, there are things that you can do to help build up and motivate yourself or other team members without causing fear, without demotivating them, and all these other things, there are a lot of really great ways that you can boost the team and promote the team. And hopefully we've covered at least a couple of them. (laughs) In a few episodes. In a few episodes. All right. I will put some transcripts up on gettingappsdone.com. Please be sure to check out my website at joshuagram.info and Kellen's website at piffner.com. Uh, Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you know when we're rambling on about something else. (laughs) If you've got some more ideas for how to promote and motivate teams, please let us know. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers.